Welcome, friends and colleagues, to a special edition of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. This is a featured cast, so let's not waste any more time and get on with the program because it's time to hand the microphone over to the guys. Take it away, gentlemen. Folks, hello, hello. Welcome to a feature cast of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. We're bringing you some timely things in a short clip so that you can uh, catch up on what's been going on today. Michael and uh, James and I are hosting our friend Jeff Harrell from uh, a company you may know called Norse. Uh, Norse uh, just went through a bit of a, a thrashing out there in the uh, inner tubes. Uh, and Jeff's going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, hey, Michael. Good morning. It's morning, James. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing excellent today. Good to have both of you aboard. And Jeff, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks very much for having me. All right, so 30 seconds. Tell us about Norse, and uh, let's then dive into the issue. Well, Norse is a threat intelligence company. Um, we, we deliver what we call live attack intelligence. It's just our brand of threat intelligence. Um, it's very timely. Uh, it's always up to date. And um, it's actually actual attacks, so it's not theoretical threats, um, it's actual attacks, so that's what we provide. We've got a huge infrastructure all over the internet, Uh, we're in 40 countries, 160 data centers, and process over 130 terabytes of data a day, Um, and we really uh, have a lot of infrastructure in the dark nets out there, Um, so that's really one of the things that sets us apart. So tell us about... um the main reason we're on this uh, on this podcast here for the next couple of minutes, tell us about what in the heck happened because you guys were posting about this, uh, and it was uh, a d- distributed denial of service, so a DDoS. And tell us tell us what you guys saw and why. Yeah, it was um, it, well, we were taken to calling it internally twenty six hours of DDoS fury. Um, it was a. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a. Do you, a, do you have a logo for that yet? We, we don't yet, but it's being worked on. We're getting T-shirts. <laughs> Going a step further with the T-shirts, I like it. It's gonna say I it says I survived twenty six hours of DDoS fury, and all I got was this damn T-shirt. Exactly, perfect. I want one. You're hired. Um, so uh, actually, I found out about it last night when um, when my CEO uh, sent me an instant message on Skype, and he said, "Hey, check out the the attack map." So for those of you who don't know, we have a um, a live attack map that shows attacks in progress at uh, map.ipviking.com. Anybody can go there and check it out. And what I saw when I went there is the entire world attacking the United States. It was. Uh, that was. I gotta say that was. I love that. I would love that as a screensaver. It's just kind of calming to watch. Um, it, it looks a little bit like uh, you know, like like a really cool screensaver. Just for a while, it was just these bright colors just all converging on this little place in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it was. It was very cool. And uh, in fact, one of the Gardner analysts actually tweeted about the the map one day and said that it was the security equivalent of a lava lamp. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. So, at any rate, um, our, Sam Glines, our CEO, just uh, skyped me yesterday and said, "Hey, you got to check the map out." And then uh, that's how I found out we were under under a DDoS. So, of course, all the um, all the engineers and, and guys are there checking to make sure everything was staying up. But 
Um, it was a pretty standard DDoS. It wasn't a huge one like some of the ones that um, that you know Anonymous has done. Uh, we were averaging about 1.5 gigabits per second, so not too bad. Okay, but 1.5 gigabits per second. Um, the the biggest ones lately you've seen. If what are the biggest DDoSs that we've seen out there lately? Anybody remember? Uh, yeah, though there was um, Pro, at least Prolexic was talking about one that was 300 gigabits a second was the biggest ever. All right, so one three hundredth. That's 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 pretty easy to take then. Three hundred gigabits. Okay, let's scale that back to yours. Say one and a half gigabits. I, that would take a lot of a uh, lot of pipe. Is this an, was this coming from an existing botnet? Did somebody repurpose some web servers? What happened? No, it was a. Uh oh, I think we lost Jeff. <laughs> Got DDoSed. Uh oh, there he is. Got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no, it was it was actually a botnet that um, that we had at least we didn't previously know about. And we think it was a new one. Um, it was uh, uh, most of the devices we saw were in um, China and South Korea. Most of the the um, where the attacks were coming from, and it looks looks to us from uh, initial uh, the initial look that it's uh, it was a an SMP reflection attack. So um, basically, what that means is SNMP is a simple network management protocol. Um, it's, it's almost everything runs it. It's uh, it's an old network management protocol that's been around forever, uh, and there's different versions of it. And um, SNMP2, which is deprecated, is actually the one that that um, causes the, the problems, and that's what people use for these reflection attacks. It's uh, it's actually pretty interesting uh, the way it works. Attackers basically craft requests that appear to originate from Norse in this case. Um, and then these, those requests go to these um, either vulnerable or out-of-date um, boxes with SNMP2 on them, and then they respond to the, to the IP that, that was spoofed, uh, basically coming back to Norse. So they just respond, and that gives you your DDoS. All right, so because I'm not sure everybody, I'm sure everybody's heard of a distributed denial service attack, but give us a... Give us a, a quick overview for those that don't know or are not intimately familiar with the concept of a DDoS. How do one of those things form? Uh, you know, is it just somebody sends a bunch of links out, people get compromised? Uh, how do these things work? Well, there's there's a bunch of different ways, um, and and there's uh, you know you might have heard of the um, anonymous uses what they call the low orbit ion cannon. Um, that's one of one of the different types of DDoSs. Um, but basically, what a DDoS is is, is um, it, as it is distributed, and they're trying to deny service to someone. So um, they'll either, you know, these malicious actors will either um, have a huge botnet that they've they've um, gathered over the years, um, or they'll use some support piece of malware to build one, um, and have each one of those send requests to the web server of the intended target and. Eventually, the web server load balancers, all those sort of things get overloaded, and all of a sudden, you have denial of service. So you guys were tweeting about it. You guys were kind of joking about it. You didn't seem a whole like particularly panicked about it. Why is that? Well, you know, one of the because of what we do, and we gather our own threat intelligence um, from all over the internet. Um, we have to be able to withstand some attacks from from malicious actors because we certainly. Uh, we certainly annoy some of them sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes we'll we'll do what we call Operation Poke the Bear, where we'll go and uh, basically just kind of say, "Hey, 
come attack us. We can handle it, and then we'll see what comes at us. And the interesting thing there is people do it, and then we all of a sudden we know about some more uh, another new botnet or some more um, compromised devices that we may not have known about before. So that ends up helping our customers because now we know that some of those are in use and we can deliver that information to them as threat intelligence. Operation Poke the Bear. Basically, you go out and... <laughs> okay, that's an interesting business model, Jeff. Yeah, well, it's uh, our CTO, uh, Tommy Stienson, uh, who's also the co-founder, he came up with that one. And, um, that, that's very much the way he is. He's, uh, he comes up with interesting ideas to, to get threat intelligence. All right, so let me ask one more thing here then before I turn it, uh, before I shut up for a second. Uh, what are the lessons then? I mean, you guys ab- absorb, so like in this case, right, you absorb essentially the weight of somebody that got angry at you. Um, and, and you said that you, you take away a, a lot of its intelligence. What, what's the takeaway for, and, and what's the lessons for the for the client end, right? Somebody that either subscribes to you or watches these maps or whatever what, what's the value for that for knowing stuff like this like hey look the map is pretty but what's 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 beyond that sure well there's a couple different ways that um, the people use it uh these days and and in this situation now that we know about this new botnet and all these devices um there's how they can use it so you can either uh take the we have a product called um uh, dark list which is the top three to five million worst ips on the internet um, and if you're involved, if your system or your IP address is involved in a, uh, um, a DDoS attack like this, it's certainly going to be on that list. So um, a lot of our customers will take the dark list, put it into their SIM, um, and that way they can correlate things that are happening on the inside of their network with things that are outside. Um, but in this case, probably the best thing to do is put it into your IPS or your next generation firewall, and that way you can, you can block any sort of attacks or, uh, that are coming from uh, from these, this now known botnet, um, not necessarily DDoS. Um, that's not one of the things we focus on so much. But um, you, systems that are used in DDoS attacks also used in other sort of um, crime uh, online. How do how do the users of those systems? I mean, if these are mostly botnets that are doing this, and we got to assume then that most of these users probably don't know that their system is doing it. If they find out their system's on a list like that, is there a way they can go around and get their IP address pulled from that? Well, they could certainly contact us, and we've had people do that in the past. But we have a, um, a pretty unique aging algorithm uh, in our system so that, for example, um, if you have a piece of malware, let's uh, so say you have an IP address that has malware on it today, um, that's going to give you a score of 100, no doubt. Zero to 100 is our scoring. Um, but if we haven't seen that IP address doing malicious things, interacting with our systems um, for maybe two days, that score will drop down very drastically. So the purpose of that is to reduce false positives so you're not blocking things you shouldn't. Um, so if, you're, you, know, if, you're, if you, ha- you are on our list and you're, you've fixed the problems, it'll automatically age out probably by the time you call us anyway. And our companies pulling that dark list and updating their devices? They, so far they are. I mean, we... we it's um, it's available through an API, and we work with the customers to let them know. I mean, if you don't if you don't pull it, you're gonna get false positives because because you gotta you have to have the most up to date information. Um, typically, when we see something malicious happening on our infrastructure, you know, from the outside, um, within five seconds, that's available in the dark list. So we process it all that information, give it a score, 
pop it in the dark list. It's ready for the customer. So most of our customers will pull the dark list once or twice a day. Um, some of them only once a week, but most of them it's once or twice a day, and uh, that way they always have the most up-to-date information. Jeff, let me ask you this because this is a, a topic that I've been putting some research into, and I'm and I'm always uh, itching to learn more. But from the reputational aspect of it, um, let's talk about just very briefly what that means, right? So you guys have IP addresses. Uh, what what other kinds of reputation stuff do you have, and how do you make determinations on what's what an I, what a good IP address is, and how do you kind of rank fidelity, and how do you rank, rank severity? What's kind of without giving us too much magic away, right? What's the what's what's the gears behind that? Sure. No, it's a good, good question. So we um, we actually process over fifteen hundred different criteria for each uh, IP address and and URL. We also look at URLs and domains as well. Um, but we we look at things like uh, geolocation, um, you know, where they are in the world, um, the history of it. So we keep up to five years of history on uh, every IP URL and domain we see. Um, so if we look back and say, you know. Three years ago, it was uh, it was using a bogus IP address, which means you know an IP address that shouldn't have been in use. Uh, and then, you know, more recently, maybe a year ago, we saw it had a uh, some malware on it. And most recently, last week, it had a botnet on it. That's a history of maliciousness that that really gives you some context about why we scored you know this particular IP address the way we did. Um, so those things are gonna gonna add up as well. Um, and those are of how of the things that we we look at when we're trying to determine whether an IP is good or bad, and we only keep information on bad IP. So if you have a good IP, you're not going to be in our system. Um, but typically, you know, lots of people uh, they've got had a malware on their system at some point or um, something like that. So uh, there are a lot of IPs in the system, no doubt. What do you take as the value of an IP rep list? Uh, given the fact that there's so much other intelligence available, uh, where does that fit into the overall scheme of things? Well, it's, we it certainly is uh, is complementary to a lot a lot of the options that are out there. But our customers are are telling us that you know they're they're able to block attacks that they're not able to block with anything else because um, we're not ag- aggregating th- threat uh, threat lists from anybody else. This is all our data. Um, We've got some customers that basically take scores of 89 and above, put those in an, in an IPS, and block them right at the right at the network edge. Um, one of our customers that's doing that is blocking 400,000 connections a week that they weren't previously, um, and they're not finding any false positives. Uh, literally, in the past six months, they haven't. So um, there's there's definitely some ROI there. And one of the things they're doing is they've got the IPS actually outside the firewall. Um, mm-hmm. So the firewall doesn't have to process as much traffic, so they don't have to upgrade it as often. So it's an unintentional ROI there. So you, you may have actually answered this earlier, um, but I want to kind of state it explicitly. What, do you, what is the, uh, we'll call it half-life, what, what is the shelf life of an IP rep list um, in your experience? Are we talking an hour? Are we talking minutes? Are we talking days? You know, I, I think uh, you, you've got to keep it up to date um, you know, almost to the minute, because things change so how uh, the how quickly the uh, malware developers and and other malicious attackers are apparently attacking Jeff. Uh, did you lose me again? <laughs> you keep fading in and out. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Uh, it's very quiet in here. Um, so uh, certainly, as, since they 
things can change so quickly. People are the malicious actors are changing their IP addresses so quickly. It's really got to be almost up to the minute. Okay, that's fair. Let's go. Let's go back to the to the DDoS and the and the botnet. Do you have any insights as to why somebody would unveil a new botnet by attacking you? I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that they didn't. I'm just saying sometimes people do really stupid stuff. I mean. Yeah, no, uh, we, we, we actually talked about that a little bit. Um, we're, Norse is just starting to get into attribution. Um, for a long time, we weren't, we weren't really focused on that, but um, that's something we're looking at now. Uh, we, we kind of guessed this guy's probably a guy, could be any guy or girl. Um, it's probably a script kitty of some sort, um, you know, using some pr- pretty common uh, DDoS tools, it looked like, and... Given the size, it was 1.5 gigabits per second, which is not nothing to to laugh at, but but it's not 300 either. Um, that we is probably people. So why why would they? So I mean, is this almost like a case of uh, script kitty poking the bear, poking the bear? I mean. <laughs> It could be. It could be. You know, we've um, we've been doing some uh, some research on um, some countries in the Middle East. We we did a um, we came out with a, a preview of a report on Iran, and ever since then, we've been definitely been getting um, attacked more frequently. Um, this has just happened to be the the biggest DDoS that we've seen so far. So there's could be a lot of things. Um, could be just that we upset somebody by putting their IP on there. Um, you know, because we caught them, but. Um, uh, you know, luckily we were able to withstand it. Do you guys do anything to randomize your addresses so that way they can't? Because it's, I feel like at some point, you know, as people start realizing, hey, wait a minute, they benefit from us attacking them, that actually yeah. they'll figure out, you know, the jig will be up and they'll be like, well, no, let's not attack them. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Um, we, so, you know, obviously we can't, um, can't hide our web website <laughs> because that would go against, <laughs> that would go against the, the idea a little bit, but um, we do have infrastructure uh, distributed all over the world, as I mentioned, um, and, and um, you know over 160 data centers. And we do move those all the time. We move IP space, we move physical locations. Um, they're you know we they're not listed under us in most cases. Uh, so we we do our best to try to try to hide um, and and make sure that our our sensors that are out there, our dark sensors as we call them, um, don't get found and and pointed out. All right, so I'm 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 perpetually interested in this this dark sensor thing you guys got going on because when I first heard about you guys and I, t- I think I talked to a couple of you guys at uh, at Black Hat, um, the idea is interesting. So you've basically got various entities you either own, um, we'll call them shell corporations because it sounds cool, um, but basically entities out there that you have where you have equipment that just sort of watches transient network bits pass, right? on various uh, interconnects at various pops uh, throughout the world. That that sound about right? They, that is definitely a part of it. Um, you know, we've got uh, over 8 million low interaction honeypots that run over 6,000 different applications from ATM machines to your regular laptop to um, SCADA devices. Um, so those sit out there and, and obviously, you know, try to attract bad actors. Um, we've also got some um, crawlers, too, that... Uh, we'll go out and, and find pretty interesting stuff. One of my favorite anecdotes is 
um, an, a hospital was actually attacking us one day, and obviously, you know, the hospital wasn't angry at us, but someone had uh, had taken over a device at the hospital remotely and was using it to uh, attack us. Um, that automatically kicked off a crawler that went and looked for anything about that IP address that it could find on the internet. So it looks at places like Foreshared, um, for example, and and sees if there it can find that IP address or any IP addresses that are similar to it you know, in that same IP space, and it'll bring back what it finds. Um, and in this case, it brought back a PDF with the floor plan of the hospital uh, that pointed out uh, every major medical device and edge network device um, in the in the hospital, uh, administrator credentials for all of those edge devices, which are all the same, by the way. Um, so basically, if you had this PDF, which somebody had, you know, had hacked in and, and grabbed it, you could take over the hospital from a you know, from a network perspective. So no way. That stuff exists, a, really? <laughs> it does. Pinky and the brain would be thrilled. Yeah, they could take right. over the world. And, and they could. So, uh, look, um, we're coming up on time here. So, um, I think I want to leave the audience that's been listening for the last couple of minutes on this with, with a question for you is, what's the lesson learned here? All right, because, you know, it wasn't just all fun and games, right? Somebody attacked you guys. <clears throat> you survived, uh, obviously. Um, maybe even um, had a little fun with it. Um, because uh, I think I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. The video has uh, has Lindsey Sterling as the background music, which is just mad props to the person who created it. Um, love me some of that. But um, uh, what's the lesson learned uh, from... The security professional that and, and or the executive that's listening to this going, man, I don't want to get DDoS, but what what am I taking away from this uh, episode? Yeah, well, for a long time uh, there wasn't much you could do about DDoS attacks and and um, and any and other sorts of malicious attacks that uh, you know the bad guys seem to be getting better and better. But now we have um, big data capabilities where we can really process you know a ton of data at, at one time um, on an ongoing basis. Um, now threat intelligence is actually catching up, and you can get ahead of these threats um, and, and protect yourself. And I think that's really the takeaway. And if there's a second takeaway, 1B is update your routers and switches that are using SNMP. I, I could have sworn I had that advice given to me about a decade ago. I'm sure you did. They still, <laughs> in fact, uh, one of the things we, we noticed, uh, um, just one last little thing, a lot of the devices we saw um, were home routers distributed by a single service provider. So, you know, a lot of times users don't know what to do there, but the providers need to be updating the SNMP on those systems. Yeah, you know, I think I said, I was, I'm glad you answered that because I, I was going to ask, how much of this is enterprise, you know, large enterprise level traffic versus SMBs versus consumers? And, uh, and, and I guess that's an interesting point that we have as an industry is, We've got to help people find better ways to deploy stuff without all of these nasty services just turned on by default. I mean, if somebody needs one, then they should be able to understand the implications that come with it and they can turn them up. So I guess it's actually, I mean, I'm glad you guys are getting into the attribution space and, and being able to reveal stuff like that is actually inherently helpful. I'm not a fan of shaming, but but understanding where some of these, these challenges lie, that might give us some stuff in the industry uh, to think about in terms of where to focus. Absolutely. That's our goal. 
All right. Well, thanks for the uh, thanks for the update. Thanks for jumping on, Jeff. And uh, it, it's been a lot of fun uh, discussing this. Um, one more time for the uh, for the audience. What's the uh, address of the map? The map is map.ipviking.com. Very cool. All right. For uh, Michael and James, this is Raf uh, saying thanks uh, to Jeff from Norsecorp for uh, the update on that uh, very interesting DDoS we saw the other day. And um, hopefully, folks, uh, you got something out of this. And, again, the takeaway is interesting, right? Now, update your stuff. Check your home stuff. Um, and, as always, uh, if you have other suggestions you guys want us to talk about, things you want us to cover, by all means, let us know. Hashtag is DTR on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you again. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to a Down the Rabbit Hole feature cast. We hope you found this episode infotaining. Make sure you've checked out the show notes, caught up on past episodes, and subscribed or bookmarked us so you don't miss any future episodes. Feel free also to harass Roth for words like infotaining using the Twitter hashtag pound DTR. Thanks for listening, and on behalf of our guests and the DTR hosts, goodbye everybody, until next time. Thank you.